Monster Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Monday, July 20th, and we have reached the final show of the preview series. Not the final show of the rant, that's for sure, but 32 teams will be out of the way in uh, just a few minutes. We'll talk about the Tennessee Titans and Washington, uh, but uh, before I get into that, FTNFantasy.com, FTNDaily.com, FTNBets.com. That's the FTN Network right there, and uh, we have a lot going on right now. I got to tell you, my guy Javi Perlezzo is just on absolute fire. He's been one of the hottest CFS players and, of course, contributing to FTNDaily.com, but the dude nailed PGA this week. He nailed a win bet on John Rahm, and he nailed the first-round bet, uh, first-round leader bet on Tony Finau. Both of those, and he didn't put a lot of bets up. <laughs> so the ROI is off the charts on this kid, and uh, you can get access to his picks at ftnbets.com. All of it's good. Want my rankings? ftnfantasy.com. It's really, I- I'm so proud of what we put together and love sharing it with you, so go check that out for me. All right, so let's dive into it. Tennessee, what a surprise last year. This was a team that, mm, expectations, not that high. Marcus Mariota starting out the season as the quarterback. You had sort of this disappointment of Corey Davis. We didn't know what we were going to get with A.J. Brown. I mean, we know what he was in college, but sometimes that doesn't translate in year one. There was a little bit of optimism surrounding Adam Humphreys, but such a low ceiling with him, and we knew the volume was going to decrease. And a lot of people just generally not high on Derrick Henry, even though in December of 2018, he was absolute fire emoji. So, everything kind of changes because we get Tannehill uh, stepping in. And was that the spark? I mean, obviously the team did commit to Derrick Henry early and often last year. So, that helped the cause. But was that the spark? Because Tannehill kind of did a lot of what you would expect Marcus Mariota to do. He wasn't a high-volume passer, but he was efficient and mobile when it mattered. Ryan Tannehill's sneaky mobile, right? He's not the most mobile quarterback out there, but he can accumulate yards with his legs. Uh, Heading into this year as a full-time starter, I'm projecting him at 251 rushing yards, just under three rushing scores. That's a solid additional amount of fantasy points he's adding with his legs. I don't think it's going to be big-time passing numbers, and it really wasn't last year. And I should say that there was a little bit of yak going on there. So a lot of yards after catch, not the highest air yards guy, so you would expect some regression in efficiency for Tannehill, but that's fine. You did see a lot, you know, thinking back to Miami, though, you did see a lot of yak with Tannehill there, too. You know, Jarvis, the one year, had a monster yak year uh, with Tannehill, so maybe that's a little bit of Tannehill's game, Uh, but regardless, still like him. I, I mean, last year down the stretch, he was he was absolutely phenomenal for fantasy purposes. And I know that there are folks out there who had Tannehill actually help them to a fantasy championship. I don't think we see the same exact production. I, and in fact, I, I highly doubt we see him as like a top five option, which is what he was down the stretch. But that being said, you know, you view him... I don't think he's, quote-unquote, a safe option in the late rounds. I do think he is an upside option, though. I mean, look what he did. So over from week 12 on last year, only one finish outside of the top 10, only two finishes outside of the top six at quarterback, and one of them was in week 17, so what do we really care about that? He was really good down the stretch. 
really good. He had six top 10 fantasy finishes, only took over as the starter in week six. He had one more than Kyler Murray, top 10 weekly finishes. But that being said, again, it's a ceiling floor issue. I think we're going to see him closer to his midpoint this year. So I do think you look at him as more of a quarterback two option, but I wouldn't hesitate in drafting Ryan Tannehill. And a part of it is really the the weapons at his disposal. I do like A.J. Brown. Now, I will say my projections like A.J. Brown a lot more than I like him. He keeps coming in at like wide receiver 12 in projections. And I think that is partially due to, you know, how the targets are being currently distributed uh, by yours truly. And I have to take a closer look at that. I just can't see a scenario where Corey Davis approaches 100 targets. Uh, Certainly, I have A.J. Brown over 100 targets right now. I'm 106. Uh, A.J. Brown, very efficient as well. But for me, this is one of those where I throttle back in my rankings. You know, it's hard to see. He's not going to be anywhere close to 20 uh, yards per catch this year, but I still have him up over 16. And maybe, you know, maybe that's a little ambitious given what we, you know, given the small sample size that we have. But he could easily be a thousand yard receiver yet again this year. He could score seven or eight touchdowns. I mean, he's He's a big dude. He's fast. He he's a he's just all around kind of what you're looking for, uh, especially for the long term. But I can't rank him as a wide receiver one just yet, especially in an offense where we don't consider you know we're not expecting a high volume passing game in that offense. So 17 puts him solid wide receiver two. You know you have weekly ceiling with him. There's going to be possibly some weeks sure where if it's a heavy Derrick Henry script, then you're not going to get a ton out of him. But that's fine. And obviously, he riffs very well with Ryan Tannehill because, like Tannehill, he was lights out down the stretch. Seventh place fantasy finish in week 12, second in week 14, seventh in week 15. He was 22nd in, in week 16, which it really didn't lose you the week. It's not like he finished 80th or something like that. Uh, so I like him a lot. I think the question is ultimately, will it ever happen for Corey Davis? Will he be a Devontae Parker <laughs> where it happens finally after like five years in the league? Yeah, I don't know about that one. Not going to hold my breath there with Corey Davis. But, you know, Jonu Smith may be a little bit of a different scenario. I I think there is some appeal to Jonu Smith, potentially as a late-round guy even. And, you know, I've said this numerous times with the tight end position. I really don't want to be drafting a tight end late round, especially as my primary guy. But as a secondary guy, I certainly would position somebody like Dallas Goddard ahead of him. But if you're somebody who does like to come out of your draft with two tight ends and you get somebody like Evan Ingram, I don't mind pairing him with Jonu Smith. You can't go safe and upside at tight end because there's very little safe out there. So safe and upside may work for quarterback. It's not going to work for tight end. And in this case, I mean, you're shooting for upside with both of those guys. And I think ultimately that's the name of the game with tight end. If you're not going to get one of the elite guys, you want somebody who's going to give you bang for your buck. John R. Smith has that. It's finally his show, too. You know, it's you don't have Delaney Walker in the way. You have Ferkser. I barely know her uh, behind him, but that's about it. Michael Pruitt, not going to do anything. So it is John R. Smith's show. Just not a ton of meat on the bone. And really, one of the big reasons why is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, last year, this time last year, there were a lot of doubters 
not that he was going in like the eighth round or anything, but I don't think anybody really saw a an RB1 season out of him. And I think even there was somewhere around week eight, I tweeted out something to the effect of it is possible to be an RB1 in PPR without catching passes because that was the big knock on Derrick Henry and yeah the the response from Twitter as you can imagine was really classy it was like oh don't do a victory lap yet that sort of thing whatever he ended up being an RB1 without catching the football he had 18 catches last year just over one per game and he was the number five fantasy running back on the season eight games in the top 10 he had one 11th place finish as well so almost nine there right on the edge it's an RB1 week He played 15 games, so over 50% of the time. I mean, he didn't play in week 16. You may have remembered that. And, of course, he goes out and is the number one fantasy running back in week 17 when what do we care? I guess DFS. But regardless, he was so good down the stretch. Fourth in week 9, first in week 10, third in week 12, fourth in week 13, seventh in week 14, and then uh, obviously was a little dinged up there. But regardless... Hey, Derrick Henry, we know he's going to be a high-volume guy. I'm projecting him as the top guy in the league in carries. 298 there. He had 303 in 15 games last year, so 298 more than doable. I am projecting him with a slight uptick in catches because Deion Lewis is out of the mix. Now, the team drafted Darrington Evans, and that's pretty much all that's behind him. Dallin Dawkins is there too, but Darrington Evans may do a little bit of that uh, third down back role in, in terms of uh, carrying the football. So maybe we see Evans with 50, 60, 70, 80 carries. I'm actually projecting him at 85 right now. But where he's really going to be key for the team is that they're going to use him in the passing game. They're not going to use him a ton, but they are going to use him. So, you know, any hope that Derrick Henry was going to have like a uh, like a Leonard Fournette last year line where all of a sudden his catches jump up, you know, they double or something along those lines. I don't see that happening, but it doesn't need to happen. He carries the ball so much that he's locked in as an RB1 and and really set up for success. Uh, the challenge right now, until we find out exactly where Dalvin Cook stands in terms of a holdout, is, you know, is is Henry the number five or the number six? If Cook is good to go, then he's the number six. But if we don't have an indication, and, and we're going to see next week when veterans report, do they report? We shall see. But we'll see if Dalvin Cook reports. That'll give us a little bit of a better indication there. Anyway, uh, let's finish this up with the final team here, the Washington Football Club. And as of now, well, there isn't a ton to like here. I will be bluntly honest with you. Dwayne Haskins is under center. Yeah. Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe in a two-quarterback or a super flex league, I would consider Dwayne Haskins as my number three because I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, he stinks, he's never going to be any good. I honestly don't know if he's going to be any good. I know he was he was good at, co- at the college level. He was very impressive there in 2018. He had a lot of surrounding talent. That certainly helps. But I'm not willing to write him off for last year, especially given the circumstances, given the dysfunctionality of the organization, given that he was thrown into the fire. There were a number of things. He was not ready to go. 
not ready for prime time. And yet he was out there, right? He needed some time to develop. I don't know if that ultimately ends up hurting him or not, but I can tell you this. Having Ron Rivera come in, an experienced head coach, a guy who, you know, he wasn't just a one-year, you know, he didn't have a one-year stint at Carolina. He was there for a long time, knows how to build a culture, knows how to run a team, a group of men. That's going to help. It certainly can't hurt. That being said, I'm not putting him, <laughs> not putting Dwayne Haskins even remotely close to the uh, the quarterback twos right now. For me, I, I would take a stab on him as my third because there is at least some upside there, and especially when you consider you know you have that connection already with Terry McLaurin, so that helps. You have some interesting young wide receivers in the mix as well, and I'll talk about those guys in a minute. But uh, that that's sort of where we are with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I don't want to close the door on it. Uh, just yet, but I, I'm not very optimistic. So at wideout, Terry McLaurin is really the the cream of the crop here. I don't see him as a an uber high volume guy long term, but when you look at this group of wideouts, it's hard to not see McLaurin. And, and by the way, tight ends, it's hard to not see him top triple digit targets this year. So if he goes up, I am currently projected at 116 targets. That would put him at 69 nice catches and just over a thousand receiving yards. Now five and a half touchdowns is the projected line. He is a boomer bust guy. So that could, you know, that's a midpoint, but it's a midpoint of a very wide range. Let's be clear about that with Terry McLaurin. He is the type of player who could go out and have two touchdowns this year. He could also have double digits. I don't, I don't think he is right on the average, in other words. I think he's probably closer to the polls. So keep that in mind when you draft him. If you are drafting him to be your second wide receiver, yes, he has upside out the wazoo. But you could be drafting your second wide receiver and, like I said, could also score two touchdowns, and then you're not going to be very happy with that because he just doesn't have enough volume to give you a high floor. So keep that in mind. Better suited to be a third wide receiver than to be a second wide receiver. I think especially with his profile, he's not a true X receiver. He's a field stretcher. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But you have to sort of consider all the factors when uh, you're breaking down the value of these guys for fantasy purposes. Now, after him, Steven Sims flashed a major upside. He's not draftable for fantasy. Antonio Gandy-Golden is in the mix now. and I think he's almost locked in to be the three because of the injury to Kelvin Harmon. So we won't see Kelvin Harmon this year. Cody Latimer is still on that depth chart. He may be facing suspension. He's not going to be relevant either. And then Trey Quinn is still there. I like Trey Quinn, but I don't see him being fantasy relevant. The guy who stands out the most is Antonio Gandy-Golden. We're not going to draft him. Well, we are in Dynasty Leagues. But in redraft, we're not going to draft him. What we are is we're going to monitor him. Kid has he has size and speed you can't teach. Uh, you know, Good combination of athleticism. And really has a different element than the other two guys. McLaurin and Sims are blazing fast, no doubt about it. But they don't have the size of Gandy Golden, so that certainly helps him. Uh, and if Dwayne Haskins is able to take a step or two forward, then I could see Gandy Golden being, I, I have him ranked well outside the top 50 now, but maybe being in that range of close to a top 50 guy, which deeper leagues all of a sudden becomes you know, starts to become relevant and certainly becomes relevant for DFS purposes. Jeremy Sprinkle will be the top pass catching tight end. Um, outside of like DFS punts, I don't see him being relevant at all. So that leaves us with the running backs. 
And at running back, of course, we have Darius Geis. Can you stay healthy, Darius Geis? Because there has been times in Darius Geis' short career, an extremely short career at that, where we have seen flashes of, whoa, this guy could be something. Whoa, that guy, did you see that run? Whoa, he took, he, he, <laughs> yak, yards after catch with this guy. I mean, anything and everything you wanted to see kind of crammed into, you know, his, basically his career has been a highlight film. <laughs> that's how short it's been, but that's how good it's been. Five games, 42 rushing attempts, averaging 5.8 yards per. He has seven catches, averaging 11.3 per. One TD as a receiver, two as a runner. I mean, not too shabby in 49 touches. He was the number two fantasy running back last year in week 13. The highs have been extremely high. The dude, and I don't think this is, some guys, there may be underlying injury, whatever, it seems like it's just bad luck with Darius Geis. Just like bad luck. Bad luck. The MCL sprain was at the end of last season. I would love to say I think he's going to play 14 games, 13 games. I take even 13. I can't say that for certain just given the track record. But the good news, Darius Geis is around in the eighth round. I have him ranked as my number 35 running back. Could be the number one running back on this team. And yes, it's not going to be a very good team. But I don't mind taking him in that range. At all. He's going to be your fourth running back probably if you take him in that range. Third or fourth. I don't mind taking him. Taking a shot on Darius Geis. Taking a shot on upside. Baking in the injury, sure. But of course, if he does get hurt, it'll be interesting what they do. Because they have Adrian Peterson here. And Adrian Peterson... Sure, ran the ball a ton over the last two years, basically whenever Geis was not there, which is most of the last two years, but he's getting long in the tooth for running back. They have Bryce Love. Is Bryce Love going to be healthy? Uh, they did bring J.D. McKissick in to kind of be the, the next Chris Thompson, I suppose, in this offense. Or is the next Chris Thompson plus going to be Antonio Gibson? And when I look at this group of, of running backs, I mean, hey, I love Bryce Love and what he was able to do uh, before the injury at the college level. I don't know if he'll ever be the same player, unfortunately. But Antonio Gibson is special. And he's special not because he's a running back, because he isn't really a running back. But he isn't a wide receiver either. He's so much in between. He's like, if he, if he works out, he is going to be a rich man's Ty Montgomery. And there were times where Ty Montgomery looked like he could, you know, could be something for fantasy purposes, but it ultimately didn't fully pan out. Antonio Gibson could be what we hoped for Ty Montgomery, a guy who can go in and get. Well, he's going to get an RB designation, so he gets an RB designation. I'd rather see him get a, a wide receiver designation, but go in, carry the ball five to ten times, catch five, six balls. <laughs> You know, if it all pans out, I'm not projecting that, but if it all pans out, because right now, I mean, I have him with 47 rushing attempts, but I also have him catching 32 balls for this team. They're going to use him. He's a freak of nature, size speed. He's the name to know here beyond Darius Geis. If something happened to Darius Geis, and it, it, it very well could, it would not shock me if they said, you know what, we're just going to use Antonio Gibson. Wouldn't surprise me. So there you go. 
all of the teams out of the way. Rookies reporting tomorrow. We shall see. Veterans reporting. Well, I mean, quarterbacks will be reporting this week. Injured players this week, later this week on Thursday. Veterans, the rest, everybody else next Tuesday. Is this really going to happen? Well, we shall see, but we'll be here with you every step of the way here heading into the NFL season. Uh, In the meantime, you can do me a favor, head over to FTNFantasy.com, FTNDaily.com, FTNBets.com. And also, please keep reviewing the show on iTunes. The Rat Pack is out in full force here, and I appreciate all the reviews. Easiest way to do it is if you have an iPhone, open up the podcast app, go to my show page, The Rant, scroll down, and you'll see the stars at the bottom. That's It's super easy. If you do that, that will help me out. And, of course, you can also review the show on iTunes. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. All right, I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.